Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. It is your host, Jenna. I am here today with Monica Peters out of West Covina, California with MFTC. How are we doing today, Monica? Hi, how are you, Jenna? Thanks for having me. I am doing great. First thing I want to say to you is thank you. Um, I think it always says a lot about an entrepreneur in this space because I know how busy that day-to-day can get. We get kind of in that that routine, you know, and it, sometimes it can be hard to take an hour out of the day out of that routine we're accustomed to. And then, but it's pretty cool because you, you decided to do that. You're on here and you're bringing, contributing value back to your own industry. So I just want to say thank you for that. Okay, sweet. Monica, let's do this. Let's lay out the scene, paint the picture for the listeners to to get a better understanding of what got you into the industry and what's led you to where you're at right now, currently 2022. Um, What led me to the industry? Well, I've been a coach, a basketball coach in some form uh, for over 25 years. And I branched off of that to doing some basketball training, private training and then stepped into the fitness side of training um, completely by accident. I was doing Zumba and I didn't like the quote unquote Zumba format. So mm-hmm. I took it and made it, I made it my own. Yeah. And <laughs> that, that attracted um, other people to me. And I was teaching at different places and didn't have a, didn't have a home base. And so I was um, basically independent contractors working different places. And then um, I got into getting a few corporate accounts and then, you know, one thing led to another and people refer you to different things. And uh, fast forward to me being here in West Covina and starting MFTC. So Marathon Fitness, I had started Marathon Fitness years ago because I needed, I wanted a name to, to go with what I was doing. And so I just came up with fitness is not a, a you know, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Yeah, I've, I've been using that ever since. I've been using that before it was a tagline. Yeah, <laughs> so, and so um, once I got here, I was working for someone else. She retired abruptly, and I had an opportunity to take over the space, and um, I did. And it was it. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was like this is what I'm doing. And um, I told my husband about it. He said, "Are you sure?" And I said, uh, "Yeah, yeah." And um, the rest, the rest is history. Yeah, it's exciting. Okay, so how long have you have you been in the industry with your own place, like your own facility now? Own facility. This is, I think, this is what the listeners will probably understand most. This is my second go round at this. The first time I was in the city of Baldwin Park, and the owners asked me to run their facility, and then they decided to quit, and I was in the process of ownership. And what they did not tell me, and I did not know, was all the details, all the you know. I just I saw cash flow, and I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to the other part of money in, money out, and um, that failed, and it failed miserably. Yeah. And when I had a, when I had this opportunity to do it again, um, I said, "You better learn from the first time." Mm-hmm. And I needed to involve people 
that knew more about the business side of this industry than I did. I knew how to train people. I knew how to work out. I knew how to do all that. I knew muscle groups and fine motor skills and gross motor skills. I knew all that. It was the business side of the industry that I needed to, to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really love that you touched on that because, you know, it's, it's unfortunate in a lot of ways that we, we can get into this industry off of a passion and a dream and think that's what's going to really keep the doors open. And, you know, a lot of times I'll be, you know, I kind of challenge people in the sense of, well, you know, if you were able to become more profitable, you could probably put back into the business more, right? You know, and right. it's like, oh, I'm not in it for the money. And it's like, well, what if it closes down and you're helping somebody, <laughs> right? And right. so it's, th- it's this thing, and I see it a lot of times where it's like, where we fear where, like, can we be passionate and profitable at the same time? And I really think you can simultaneously be both. I see it happen every day, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's it's really cool that you said that and we're able to, like, kind of be self-aware in the sense of, okay, I know how to do the passion in, but I need someone, I need to reach out to people that understand the business acumen of things because that's how the doors stay open. You know, and another right. thing, unfortunately, is, a lot of times personal trainers will get into this space to essentially create themselves a job and where it's like this weird badge of honor working 80 hours a week, making the same amount of money we could make 40 hours a week, probably for somebody else. And that's where, you know, you, you're like, okay, now I need to get a hold of somebody that gets the business end of things. So I'm just really happy you said that. So, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Learned a valuable lesson. I yeah. 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 And that's the whole goal here, right? It's like, wow, we want to help people avoid that. Right. And it's just, yeah, I'm just happy you touched on that. So let's transition into this, Monica. Um, Walk the listeners through the services that you offer, you know, what you guys are doing in a day's time. Um, Yeah. The whole nine. I'm probably like a lot of other listeners and subscribers. My day starts very early and it ends very um, late. And like you talk about that, that badge of honor, we wear that with pride. Yeah. You know, we're not we're not bragging about being in our facility 14, 16 hours a day. Right. We're not bragging that's what that, you gotta do. Yeah, it comes with the territory. If you if you know you're gonna do this off the bat, you better understand and check your ego that this is what it is. And you're not gonna get a lot of vacations and you're, not, you're gonna miss a lot of family events. You're gonna have to tell people no a lot because mm-hmm. you, you need to invest your, your personal time. So my day starts relatively early. Um, It used to end very late. So me doing this podcast with you is perfect because I'm in the midst of several transitions. One, decreasing my time here. (laughs) Number one, I love my clients, love being here. I'm out, I'm out the door now. Um, Number two, with being here less time, shrinking my hours of availability you're not gonna get you're not gonna get to me after three o'clock on a saturday and a sunday not yeah. if i have to be not about to be here at dawn yeah yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not gonna happen yeah um, and again we want to be accessible to our clients as much as possible but having that balance of of self-care and doing the things that that we need to do exactly um, yeah i've I'm, I'm shifting from classes, uh, small group classes will only go on the weekends and there'll be specialty classes only, but I'm going to full on personal training all day, every day. Yeah. 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 And you know, 
with the, with the, you know, quote unquote, have air quotes up guys, the, the badge of honor thing. It's like, it's one, you should be prideful in it in a sense until it's to the point where it's like, I have to tell people no a lot longer than I want to, or I have to hold off on vacations a lot longer than I want to. And then, you know, you're in that transition now where it's like, okay, it's time to delegate. It's time to tell some of my staff no for, for good reason. <laughs> I can right. tell other people yes um, about things. And I think that's a really good transi- transition phase because it's not a fun place to stay too long. So I'm um, okay, cool. So just so I'm clear, so in, at the facility, you're um, doing less group classes, more one-on-ones now. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So with that being said, how many current members or clients are we serving right now at um, MFTC? Solo, 40. 40, okay, gotcha. 40. And, and, and some, pe- some people may think that's a big number. Some, some people may think that's a small number. It's the, it's the number right now. And it's a great number that works for me. Yeah, I, I don't use traditional um, commercial equipment here. Everything here is specialized equipment, specialized components that other places are not using. Yeah. So it has been a driving force for people to come here, especially during the pandemic. Um, sidebar in the pandemic, I never closed. And I felt like if restaurants could stay open, I could stay open. Right. And <laughs> I shifted quickly to streaming without hesitation, discounted um, prices, um, not really a dent in profits. Just I knew that other people were struggling more than I was. And if this is where you needed to be to release your stress and anxiety and get in your working at home, you know, 12 hours a day instead of eight hours a day. And if this is your one hour of relief, mm-hmm. hey, I made it accessible. We just, instead of going through the, the front door, we went through the back door. We washed yeah. our hands, <laughs> you know, we wore our mask and um, I did what I had to do. So the pandemic was not about paying the bills because the bills were gonna get paid regardless. So staying open through the pandemic was, was solely about staying in touch with the community that I built yeah and 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 the people my clients who have pulled other people in like here's a safe place to work out mm-hmm. um without being um you know judged you know whether you were vaccinated or not that's a whole another other subject um but here's a place where you can come and it's safe and it's affordable um and you can get a great workout and you know come the times that you need to so it wasn't about um let me just keep the doors open the doors are gonna stay open yeah yeah Yeah. and you know um you know you're being at 40 members right now and I think you know with you kind of having to make that transition during COVID times to go online is is that like a contributing factor to what we talked about pre-podcast of like you're really kind of wanting to scale the online because you see the value in that yeah there when when I decided and I told my staff I have a I have great staff members um they're gonna kill me mentioning their names but I don't care <laughs> Jessica um Jessica Lillian and Irene and we've been together a long time and they've seen me through a lot and um Going to doing the live streaming through Zoom, 
it was just it was just a way for people to talk about other things that were going on with them outside of the pandemic like the pandemic just exasperated other things mm -hmm. and then because i have such specialized equipment that you can't get at la fitness or you know we have la fitness out here la fitness or goals or whatever the case may be um there's only going to be limited spots here there's mm -hmm. only going to be limited spots yeah so so the jump to a completely digital platform will allow people to work out at home or use whatever they have at home i'm so, currently working on a, a project with the um the libraries out here in la county and the project is going to be family-based just using household items yeah without any yeah without making any kind of additional work. yeah yeah so are you are you yeah. doing in person is so i guess the transition you're going to make are you still going to continue doing in person and then scaling the online as well so having those two avenues okay gotcha I am. i'm going to do both because i do have i work with um a third of my clients um are seniors or they have limited mobility yeah. the other two third yeah the other two thirds are a mix of um you know what we say you know intermediate you know to advance and then i do have a small group of people that train at the same level that i train yeah and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it it's um yeah the the people that are committed here and have a you know have their regular spot here will stay here now mm -hmm. i do have i'm you know because of what i do here in this community also i'm a strength and conditioning coach at sierra vista high school out here i do have an outside basketball community like you said they can't get to me yeah so the, you know, the online platform is going to be perfect for them huge yeah that's cool that's cool for sure so i know that you had mentioned you know with the in-person there's a you know a certain limit that you're ultimately going to cap off you know what what makes the most sense and i'm kind of i'm sure it correlates to the value right we, we want to make sure that we're not flooding people in here we can actually give people the attention and the value they deserve totally get that so my next question to you is you know essentially there's three ways to grow that is to get more clients get them to spend more to some capacity um, which matches their goal or where they want to go um, and keep them longer keep them um, so you're at this place with the in-person where it's like, you know, the get more members, you're at a happy, seems like a happy place with that. Um, so the next avenue would be to get them to spend more, right? Which what I call Ascension services. So you're being able to take your client, ascend them into, you know, a one-on-one -on -one or a nutrition plan or supplements or accountability or whatever it may be to increase that value, which justifies a higher price point. Right. What are you doing right now to still continue to grow financially, even if it's not by capacity measures? Well, I've already implemented um, a few of those things. And as I'm transitioning out yeah. of having regular classes, part mm -hmm. of that part of that online um, platform will be. Yeah. Adding adding that nutritional component. So if you are if you're a regular if you're a regular member here, you know, quote unquote member, if you're a regular member here, you're gonna be able to get the nutritional component without in your in your online profile without me having to put pen to paper <laughs> or yeah. you know text it to you. Yeah. I think the beauty and the nice thing, I don't really, I don't really applaud, I don't toot myself, I don't toot my horn enough. I don't do a lot of this because it's not a of all you listeners out there, it's not about you. 
Right. It's not about, remember that it's not about you. Um, because I'm so accessible, there's nothing that's, um, you know, hush, hush. We talk about everything. Yeah. Your new, if, if, if your nutrition is the center point of everything you do, it's it, we, we, it is. And a lot of people struggle with that. Most people know how to work out. But most people don't know how to eat properly. <laughs> so, and you know what you know, thing is like, Yeah, because people don't know what they don't know. And I always say, I probably right. say that every single episode because what's, you know, we can assume because we totally understand the, the nutrition element and how that's super important. But, you know, and sometimes in this industry, we can assume other people kind of know what they're doing in the nutrition world. They don't like you'll have, you'll have a client walk up in there eating a Snickers bar and thinking it's good energy for a workout. Like, they, cause they don't know, no one's ever told them. Right. So right. like people don't know what they need until it's presented to them. I say that every episode also, because you think about how many times you walk through the Walmart aisle, right. And you see something and you're like, I've never seen that a day in my life, but I know I need it now. Same, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Same thing with nutrition, accountability, whatever it may be. Um, people don't know what they need until you essentially tell them in this space. So right. Um, but you know, you know I have, because I have announced to everyone that this is the, this is the path that I'm on. Yeah, um, they're actually ready for it. Yeah, like you, <laughs> you got know, it in the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they're they're ready for it, and you, it's it's a it's a great thing when you tell your clients, "I'm making this transition. Here's the change. That I'm going to let you know what the price point's going to be if you're already." If you're already here and you're regular, you already have a package, this is what your price point is going to be. And they're excited to get it. They're excited that you're talking about it. They're willing to pay for it. And they know that that my success is their success and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's yeah. never, yeah, it's never been, oh my God, we have what? We have to, we have to pay for that. It, I've not, I have not heard that since yeah. I've been here. Well, and I'm, I'm glad that you touched on that as well, because, you know, that's something that is a huge fear for a lot of people in this space in, in the position of a gym owner is increasing prices or adding something new or whatever it may be, we, or anything that's just different. We really fear that people are going to leave or they're not going to be receptive to it. And so, like you said, it's, it's, you know, if that value's there and it's always been there and they really, they are con- they have conviction in your services and they back you in what you do, they're going to, they're going to be like, you know what, she's running this show. This must be what's best for the business, which is in return best for me. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it. You know? So yeah, I've, I've, I've had since, since I've been doing this and I'll be 53 mm-hmm. in June. And in my 25, almost 30 plus years, you're going to lose people. Yeah. yeah. Anybody anybody that's listening um, that wants to start or you're working for somebody and you feel like you can do it better, there's always that part. You have to know it's going to be a lot of hours and Mm -hmm. you're going to lose people. And you cannot be afraid to change. You can't. You, You still have to you still have to grow too. The, the main reason why I started this transition to duplicate myself, for lack of a better word, is I was stagnant. I was not, I was not going anywhere. My, my, my clients are growing and they're moving and they're propelling in, in their life, in their industry and their lifestyle has improved. 
Did I sacrifice myself a little bit? Sure I did. But at the same time, you got to recognize real quick, hey, you're stagnant. Just like we tell our clients, hey, you're stagnant. You got to change. I felt the stagnation coming. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a real like, a brick, like I was running into a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, Monica, it's time for a change. I always try to do three to six months lead time if I'm making a change. Mm-hmm. And that gives people to, you know, gives people time to count their coins and, you know, um, continue their investment. I think the other thing is when you decide to do this at, at any level, at any level, you can't be afraid to talk to your people mm-hmm. and listen to what they have to say. Either they're going to like it uh, or they're not. And then if they don't like it, don't change it to keep them. Mm-hmm. Stay, stay where you stay steady in your plan. Yeah, yeah, and there, there's a that's a good point as well. Is there's a certain trust factor that's there when you can have that cadence of communication with your members. You know, where if you're gonna make changes, they feel like they're a part of those changes with you, rather than boom, things are changed. No, everyone was in the dark. There's a level of trust that's taken at that point when people, you know, they they trust you so heavily, and then we make these changes, and we don't ever really ask for their opinion and they are the literal lifeline of the business right um, and then we don't ask them about certain things which like you made a good point as well no we, we can't really rely on what everybody says we have to still trust our gut but we gotta we still gotta have that cadence of communication which is huge yeah yeah okay sweet monica what i would love for us to do here is we near the endish of our time um and i like to ask everybody this question if you could wave a magic wand right and I don't even care if this sounds off the wall, whatever it may be. Um, and I get a lot of off the wall stuff, Jenna, every day. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> I want you to think very off the wall here for a moment. So, so we're waving that magic wand, poof, the business is right where you want it to be. What would that be like? I mean, whether it's from a revenue standpoint, it's like you, your personal life, things you get to do now, whether it's, I mean, the whole nine, what would it be like? If I can wave a magic wand, mm-hmm. or like a genie, what, what, what would I want my business to be like if I could make, wave a magic wand? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would have to be expansion, mm-hmm. a second location, identical to this, mm-hmm. in a Maybe. different part. <laughs> you know, in a in a different part of you know my community um we are we're 30 minutes outside of la la is saturated mm-hmm. with facilities and spas and you know studios whatever you want to call it where i am there's not a lot and um uh, the ones that exist are all doing the same thing and I can guarantee that there is no one doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So if I could duplicate this model in, in magic wand and do it in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's so, and you know, it's, it's opening another location of small feet, no, but it's very a real life obtainable thing. I see it every single day. So it's cool. I like that. You spoke it out into the air, right? Which is the first right. thing. Like it's out, it's out in the universe now, right? 
So um, yeah, I love that expansion is always really exciting when we kind of start to put our, our mind in that place and, you know, what do we need to tackle to make that happen? And, you know, I think also honing in on the location now and then making it as perfect as possible so you can just mirror it, right? Like that second location, let's just do everything the same way. Um, okay, sweet. Monica, what I would love for you to do is, is let the listeners know where they can find you on social media. That way, if they're in the West Covina area they could check you out or um give you a follow okay um i'm on facebook monica peters um mm-hmm. uh, just straight monica peters there'll be a lot of monica peters there's only one that looks like this <laughs> <laughs> the only one that looks like this um so i'm on facebook i don't communicate on facebook because it's, it's just a lot it's a lot going yeah. on on facebook yeah. right now yeah. um instagram mftc247 and I post a lot of my story on, on what's going on and how people can book assessment. So to get started, people just book an assessment uh, on Vagaro. I use the Vagaro app right now for assessments. And it's, it's pretty simple, straightforward. My office number here is 626-727-6126. And they can call and leave a message and I'll get back to them, you know, within a, sometimes a few hours or, you know, next business day. Alrighty, Awesome. Well, gym lords, I hope you guys gained some value from today's episode. If you like what you heard today, like, and subscribe on all of your favorite listening platforms. If you want to take it a step further from there and be our next guest, fill out the application form below. Again, guys, it is Monica Peters out of West Covina, California with MFTC. It was a pleasure chatting with you today, Monica. Thank you, Jenna. Thank you so much. I I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this. People should take, take advantage of the opportunity to put your philosophy out there. Heck yes, absolutely. They should guys fill out the application form below and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Achilles Heel Training. HT for short in New York, Brittany Rabiano. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Dominic? Fantastic. Excited to get into this. So let's just go right to the meat of it. Tell us what HT is all about. All right. Achilles Hill Training is somewhere where we want you to call it the third place. You have your home life, you have your work life, and then you have HT. Uh, pretty much we really hone in on lasting results, not the quick fix. Um, you know, we don't care if we, you lose five or 10 pounds, we want you to keep that off long-term. So that's what our motto is, I would say. And then we offer different types of programming as far as pillar program, group exercise, memberships, personal training, and nutrition. Awesome. So most of those are going to sound familiar to our, our listeners, uh, other gym owners, trainers, group, PT, nutrition, but talk to us about pillar. That's your unique offering in the market that's your big draw yep that's that's uh, your baby so tell us more about it 
Yeah, so the pillar program, it kind of sets on all the five pillars of life, you know, your cardiovascular health, your muscular health, uh, longevity principles, X, Y, Z. With that, we do a lot of barbell training in a larger group setting, um, which is not commonly known as it's a lot of compound intricate lifts and movements. So we have, you know, two or three coaches in those classes, making sure everything's going in the right direction. That pillar program member will get the most out of their workout every single time they come in. Um, and they'll really start to see and feel the changes um, as they go through each and every class. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So let's, uh, before we dive in a little bit deeper on what you're doing now, give us a little bit of background, some history on, you know, what you were doing. You've been in business since 2019. Uh, you probably didn't just wake up one day and, uh, go sign a lease on a building and decide you're going to come up with all this stuff. So what's, what brought it to that point where you're like, Hey, we're doing this. Uh, we're going to open, we're going to have these programs. What's the background? Yeah, the background is actually that my boyfriend, Kevin, and I, who were in business together with AHT, is that we actually never wanted to run our own gym or have our own business of any sort. Um, Achilles Hill training was, you know, grown from Kevin mainly to start. Um, before I met him, he was branded as like Achilles Hill, Achilles Hill training as a trainer himself. Um, and then when I met him, uh, we decided to maybe go like more apparel and the online training route because, you know, YouTube and all that stuff is where people are getting a lot of their information nowadays. Um, we were working at a like a more of a 24-7 type gym, you know, equipment and all that. And we were personal trainers and we kept wanting to grow up the ladder and we kept getting just like hitting a ceiling, hitting a ceiling every single time. Um, trying to do more within that facility and that gym where we were just kind of stopped. So we actually got this opportunity and we decided that this opportunity would only probably come once in a lifetime. So might as well take it and see where it, see where it goes. Got it. And then, so HT was not born then it's kind of in its current, it was reincarnated into a brick and mortar mm -hmm. business. Yes, uh, exactly. We have two two facilities. So which which one came first? The Achilles Hill Training Camillus, New York location came first. Okay, so that's the larger of your two facilities right now. About four thousand square feet. Mm -hmm. You can run all of your programs there. Uh, that's yep. that's the one that 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 brought the dream to life. It sure did. Yes. Okay, so that one opened in 2019, what month? Uh, January 1st. January 1st, May, yep. what the heck? It's just yep. started start when the year starts. Mm -hmm. So when did the Marcellus location come online? The Marcellus location fell into our laps uh, March, 2020. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so we actually signed all the paperwork for that location March 13th of 2020, and then New York shut down March 16th of 2020. So we kind of were at a standstill with that one, but Kevin and I, you know, in the midst of everything, we're able to get a lot of stuff done at that location. Um, so we ended up opening that one when all the legal um, closings were lifted. So August of 2020. Okay. So let's bring it back a little bit. You, you're in business. What was it? A year or so in Camillus. 
Mm-hmm. And the opportunity, were you already thinking about a second location? Did somebody approach you and say, hey, I've got this space? How do you decide that location one is doing well enough that we want to dip our toes into another spot? Because I, I've been there and a lot of our listeners have either been there or are thinking about going there. What did that look like for you? That's a great question, Dominic, because we definitely probably weren't ready for that, but we had been approached a handful of times by one or two different people from this location where Achilles Hill Training Marcellus now lives. And we just kept getting approached and, you know, Kevin and I sat down, we're like, can we make this work? It was a smaller location, not as much overhead um, in that regard. So we were like, we can try it. And it's an athlete center. So it's a sports center with two turf facilities um, on either side. So we were hoping and thinking that, you know, when the players were athletes were on the field, that the parents would come in and work out while their kids were practicing or whatsoever. So there were already people that were going to be in the facility for other reasons and then were there as well. Okay. So the opportunity came up. It's basically a sublet or a space inside um, a youth training center, a primarily youth training mm-hmm. center. So to you, it looked like, all right, it's not not a huge lease to take on. And we sort of have a built-in audience of parents or guardians mm-hmm. or whoever are there. Mm-hmm. So if they've got time to kill, mm-hmm. might as well work out. And it it adds some convenience into their life, maybe versus yeah. having to have a, a separate gym membership. It's something mm-hmm. they're already making time for. Right. Exactly. Cause as you know, with clients and, you know, personal training or whichever, it's hard for people just to find 30 minutes when their kids are running all over the place. So we thought that this would be a nice convenient way to allow people to, you know, reach their goals. Got it. Now that's been going on for, we'll call it a year and a half now. Has it turned out that your primary clients there are people who are already there for the kids or has it turned into more of a mix? What does it look like, you know, expectations versus reality there? Um, It's kind of a mix still at this point. Um, In New York state masks were only lifted like a week or two ago. Um, So we're still kind of fighting that, but it is, I would say about 50% of it is parents and guardians watching their children play. And then because our membership allows you to be at both locations, we do have some of our Camillus um, members that will come out and do those classes too. Okay, and what's the the distance? Let's let's call it drive time mm-hmm. because uh, mileage may not may not mean a lot to people depending on what part of the country they're in. Um, mm-hmm. So, what's the distance drive time wise from between the two locations? Between Camillus and Marcellus, it's about twelve minutes. Okay, so well within what most people will will drive. So, so that location, it's great to hear that you have the 50, 50 mix because obviously outside people are good. Uh, Sometimes we hear these happening and all of a sudden, you know, only 10% of the clients end up being that captive audience. And and that's, that's where things kind of go sideways. But so that sounds like it's going well. It sounds like well enough that you're now comfortable with the idea of opening up a third location, another, we'll call it for you, a full-size location, not, yes. not a, a satellite or a scale down where you can offer again, all of your core services, have the full slate. Uh, and that's something that you have in the works that's coming down this summer? Yes, this summer of 2022. Okay, so mask mandates are for the most part lifted in New York. 
most restrictions are relaxed, if not, you know, mm -hmm. done away with. People are starting to feel comfortable or or at least enough people are, are feeling comfortable. At, you know, it's one of these things when we have these conversations in the micro gym world, it's like you don't need everybody in a town. You just need, mm -hmm. you know, 100 or 200 or however many it may be. So um, what are the factors for you in feeling like it is it is the right time and it is a good idea to open location three there in Auburn? So another great question. With that, um, I'm actually from Auburn. So Auburn, yeah, is about, yep, is about 25 minutes away from Camillus mm -hmm. and about 15 to 17 minutes away from Marcellus. So it'll definitely be more of a drive since now we live in Camillus. Um, but yeah, so I was born and raised there and my boyfriend, Kevin, when, you know, he started his journey as a trainer, he actually interned at the gym that I was working and managing. So that's how we met was in a gym. <laughs> and uh, so he got his start in Auburn. So we have a lot of clientele, a lot of friends and family already anxiously awaiting for the summer to be here already. <laughs> got it. So this isn't, isn't necessarily going to be a draw as far as the convenience factor between Camillus and Marcellus. This is more a return kind of back home to a place where you have roots, where you have community mm -hmm. ties, but it's close enough so that you're not going to be a long distance owner. You yeah. can be there as, as much as you need to be. I, I, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as far as the opening of it, and I'm not sure how much of this you're at liberty or want to want to discuss, um, what stage are you at? Are you still negotiating for a location? Are you doing build out? Where are you in that process? Yeah, so we actually got super lucky with the uh, location that we've already found. It's about 5,000 square feet. And we're super excited about Auburn because everything that we've done in Camillus and Marcellus can be, you know, all of our little mistakes and errors can be fixed and make this one the best that it can actually be. So we already have a location, things are already done. We're waiting for them to really finish their build out of things um, because it was an old like grocery store. Uh -huh. So yeah, they got to move everything and like take everything out and like build to suit essentially for each tenant that's going to be going in there. So we're waiting on them. And then once they give us the go ahead, Kevin and I will get our paintbrushes out because we do all the work ourselves. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So. I want to talk about what what lessons and what things are going to apply in some of the strategy for for going on to location three. But I don't want to I don't want to go on assumptions as far as the two locations that you have now. Uh, no business is perfect. It's it's never a, a ten out of ten. But do you feel like the two that are running right now are? you know, an eight out of 10 for the amount, you know, for not requiring all of your attention for not needing any major projects, like where would you kind of grade those as far as your ability to put attention onto uh, starting and growing this new location? Are they pretty high on the charts there? Are you still working on any big things at the other two? Gotcha. Yeah. So like right now, that's what the last six months has been was like buttoning things up at really Camillus. Marcellus is pretty set. Um, we don't have to worry about too much. Like we have the equipment, we have the facility there. Realistically, it's just, you know, getting members to the door for Marcellus. So as far as like 
members go for Marcellus, I would say we're probably like a seven out of 10. But as far as like physical stuff being done, we're good to go there. Camillus, I would say is probably about 90%. Okay. So at least to the point where you know that when the, when the time comes for you to be there in the initial growth stages of Auburn, mm -hmm. it's not going to be completely hands-off, but you're not going to be fighting fires at three locations all at once, all the time. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Because we, we do see it. And um, I, I try not to make any absolute judgments or advice on the podcast, but, mm -hmm. but sometimes it happens where somebody will have a location or two locations and they're not optimized or they're not making as much money as the owner wants or whatever it is. And some, and they say, well, I know the solution. I'll open another one. Oh right? yeah. Either I'll, I'll, I'll go into a, another side business or I'll try to do this or I'll mm -hmm. open another location. And every once in a while it works out, but usually it doesn't. Mm -hmm. you know, if, you're, if your other things are taking too much of your attention and aren't where you want them to be, the yep. ROI on time and energy is usually more so there. But it sounds like you've thought through that. That's um, pretty well established. So let's talk about some of the things that are going to carry over into Auburn. Um, you know, at first and foremost, because it's it's what you can control now before you open. As far as build out, layout, equipment, things like that, are there any major things that you took away from, especially um, you know Camillus being a similar location uh, that you thought like, hey, when we build this one out, we're going to mm -hmm. do this different, or we have to make sure we don't do X, Y, Z. Any big things there, lessons that you learned that you're applying to Auburn? to make it closer to the, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but closer yeah. to what we want. Yeah, there's definitely some things as far as like, we don't need as much of like a welcome lobby area that we have in Camillus. Like it's just so big for what we actually need. Um, squat racks as well, we have in Camillus, but probably don't necessarily need them in Auburn. So realistically looking at ways that we can cut costs, but still make things super efficient. Um, and then honestly, how we organize and set up the room, um, something that we do is we set up the workout for our members. So they don't have to worry about grabbing their own weights or grabbing their equipment or anything. They go to where they need to go and everything's laid out for them. We want people to not have to think about anything except for the exercise that they're currently doing. So in regards to change and what we could do better, definitely the front, uh, area, and then a couple pieces of equipment and how our layout set up. So just, just constantly iterating. And it's always easier to make those significant changes at a new location than, mm -hmm. you know, totally rearrange what you have. So, um, all right. So now as far as processes go, uh, first and foremost, you have a new location. They're doing build out. Uh, you're going you're gonna to go in. You're going to personalize it. You're going to do all the, you know, the final touches, the painting, the arrangement that, um, are you going to do an organized pre-sale? Uh, we plan to, yes. Okay. Yep. So yep. That, that's something that in in the franchise world, everybody does it, whether mm -hmm. you know, from the, the small, you know, from F45 to Orange Theory to like a 24-hour in LA fitness. Everybody does pre-sale, except, you know, we get into the independent micro gym world and people think that it's, it's crazy. It's like, well... Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's good to know that, you know, your expenses are going to be covered and you're going to have members mm -hmm. before you open the door. Yeah. Uh, and, and people don't, it's, it's just a weird thing how infrequently it's embraced. So 
do you have a general plan of action for it? Are you going to use the actual location while the build out's being done to do pre-sale? Do you have a close by location either in the same plaza or nearby? Uh, what's Do you have the logistics of that nailed um, down yet or is it still in the planning phases? Still kind of in the planning phases right now. Obviously things have been very much online. So that's mm -hmm. pretty much the only route we were really thinking of going. But mm -hmm. as COVID lessons and things get a little bit more open, we'll kind of see where that is. Um, but yeah, no, I think pre-sales are great. And, you know, we typically will offer like a lower rate to start because, mm -hmm. you know, if you trust in us from the start, you know nothing about us and you're going to, you know, invest in what we do and who we are, then I think you deserve, you know, that lower rate because you've been there, you've seen the buildup and, that's how we did Camillus and it worked really, really well. So I can assume that we'll probably do similar but different for Auburn as well. Cool. So you did run a pre-sale for Camillus? Yeah, well, kind of. We we basically did a big grand opening mm -hmm. and we had like an open house day. And again, in Camillus, we already had a pretty good following from our personal training businesses prior. Um, so on our grand opening day, I mean, we filled Camillus with over 50 people on uh, the day after New Year's Eve. <laughs> so wow. New Year's, yeah, so we did all of our initial preliminary signups that day, mm -hmm. um, had it only open for a set amount of hours and we got, you know, 50, 60 signups on day one. Perfect. So now here you are three plus years later, you've got, you've got a name, you've got reputation. Mm -hmm. People can look you up. They can see yep. you've got Google reviews, Facebook reviews. So now they're not putting as, you know, I know that some of your pre-sale, you had reputation, you guys had training mm -hmm. clients, but now your business has a reputation. So people aren't just coming in, writing a check or giving a credit card. Mm -hmm. So um, pre-sale should, in theory, go better this time. A uh, mm -hmm. couple of questions as far as that goes. Uh, for promotion, I'm sure you're going to use your, your existing social media platforms, mm -hmm. the bases. Uh, to start, you know, organic reach, groundswell, things like that. What other ideas have you had about promotions, whether it be in-person events, you know, parking lot events, community things, paid advertising? Mm -hmm. What things are you looking at going through um, as far as promoting the pre-sale? Yeah, I mean, good old Facebook boosted ads mm -hmm. is definitely mm -hmm. something that we as, you know, prior personal trainers and now business owners had, it was a learning curve for sure, uh, mm -hmm. trying to navigate that world. So Facebook ads, and then um, probably like you said, community going into Auburn once the weather gets a little bit nicer up here and hosting some free workouts um, that I would love to be able to do. We are in the Finger Lakes region. So mm -hmm. Auburn does sit on Owasco Lake. So probably doing something more out that way uh, just to bring more positive camaraderie uh, to HT Auburn. Perfect. Perfect. And then as far as the logistics of the pre-sale, I know you said that you're going to offer some, some degree of a discount. Um, are you, are you going to cap how many that you pre-sale? Like, let's say for instance, and I don't, if you have these numbers, you can fill in the blanks, but just, you know, to throw some things out there, like, let's say, your target maximum client number at, at Auburn is 300 clients. Um, are you going to limit it to a percentage or a number of how many people you want to pre-sell so that 
you don't have everybody in the gym coming as a discount or are you going to figure out you know where that dollar amount is and hey if you if you fill up the place on presale that's great too we'll take mm -hmm. a gym full of people like has that come into consideration yeah that is something that we did as well in camillus too after the first three months we did offer a different type of tiered membership um we capped it at like 20 or something like that so definitely a cap realistically capping due to just you know the marketing mindset of people and how you know susceptible they are to actually purchasing something um mm -hmm. we want them to understand that like we want to give this offer to you um but you have also like trusting in us yeah awesome awesome so anything else stand out for you has anything else required any planning or big decision making as far as the pre-sale goes i know we covered a lot but is there anything else that you went through any any different decision making processes on even say versus camillus or anything that you're like oh we really want to do it this way this time um not really to be totally transparent with you i mean like we've had pretty good success between you know really camillus being the main one focusing on mm -hmm. um and we've you know picked up marketing pieces along the last two years for this location specifically so i'm pretty confident going into auburn with the strategies we've had in the past okay perfect so you're you're iterating you're learning you're you're going through and everything is always going to be a little bit of a trial and error but you're taking processes that you know work and then mm -hmm. fine-tuning them as it applies as you go so um I want to get to staffing. Just uh, want to make sure that we can hit as much as we can on this. So this this is great. We don't we don't get to dive this deep onto this stuff because you're so close. You have so much uh, planned out staffing. I know you share staffing. There's some reciprocity there right now between Camillus and Marcellus. Auburn's mm -hmm. a little bit further. So did you have to go out and find some newer local people? You have you know you and Kevin both have roots in the community. What did it look like for staffing there and, and how are you going to lay that out? So with staffing there, we've, we have three full-time uh, coaches, personal trainers, nutrition coaches, and they have been, we've been in the works with them for over a year and a half of just talking to them. They all had full-time jobs prior. You know, one of my coaches was a teacher. One had just graduated his master's program, was about to be a gym teacher. And my other one was a head lacrosse coach at um, Wells College. So between the three, they all had pretty good, a pretty good setup as the full-time job. And, you know, they were so good at what they do. They're passionate. They're, you know, confident in themselves enough to put themselves out there. Um, and they work just as hard, if not harder than Kevin and I do with an AHT. And so realistically nailing them, getting those three to commit full-time has been everything. You know, that is why Camillus is at 90% and we can, you know, do other things. That is why Marcellus is locked down where it's at. Um, and then in regards to Auburn, you know, we'll be shuffling around between us five um, mm -hmm. for, the, in, for the meantime, in the beginning. And then as we see it grow, that will probably be one of the bigger challenges moving forward is to find someone that is at or relatively close to the same health that us five will be at. And I know for you, with your background, you probably experienced something similar. Yeah, the, um, 
staffing, you know, and, and building up, that's, that's a skill in and of itself. And there, there are definitely some, the more conversations I have, I'm so grateful in, in this position. Um, people come up with some really creative ways to find people above beyond what's, what's the norm. So, um, you know, we could probably do a whole show on staffing. Yeah. The question that stood out for me though, is are you going to either immediately or eventually try to staff a manager into that location since it's going to be the furthest one from you? And if so, what, what general responsibilities do you see you task a manager with? Obviously staffing, coordinating hours, training are going to be big, but um, in the micro gym world, sometimes the manager is also the salesperson. They're also customer service. There are a million things. Mm -hmm. Do you have a general outline for how you'd like that position to look there? Oh yeah. Our managers will wear many, many hats. Um, especially since we are in our infancy, realistically with all three to be real, um, they will have, yeah, there'll be sales. There'll be a little bit of marketing. They will be running the floor. They're janitors as well. You know, we're the ones that clean and close the places and open, um, manager will be responsible for ordering equipment. Um, if anything needs to be ordered. So realistically, they will just be running the entire show on top of coaching the other coaches. Um, we do a lot of like one hour meetings every week with our coaching staff, um, just to make sure that everyone's on the same page as far as exercise go, how we're explaining things, how we're doing things, you know, what issues are they seeing in the gym that we might not be seeing um, and how we can capitalize on that. And realistically just growing them further and further and further. Uh, Kevin gives all of our managers books to read um, and once they finish one, another one's right in their <laughs> mailbox waiting for them. Um, so the continuous, the continuous education is huge, not even aside from just their personal training certificates. Like mm -hmm. there's more and more on top of that, that our manager will also need to feel confident in coaching other coaches. Awesome. So you guys have, you've got a map, you've got coordinates, you've got GPS, yeah. you have you have a lot of things rolling there. And, and that's the things that people don't think about. It's like, you know, you don't, it's not just, oh, I've had these couple of locations and we'll see how this one goes. Like if you don't have mm -hmm. these, things, what am I going to apply? It's, it's almost not, it's almost useless to have had those other locations. It's like, mm -hmm. you shouldn't keep making the same mistakes. You shouldn't make things harder for yourself. Mm -hmm. It should be able to scale. So a couple, a couple more quick questions on this. Um, as far as when Auburn opens, it's a little bigger space. It's going to be the newest thing. Um, trainers, you know, we're, we're always trying to find, you know, I think we're all trainers at heart, different ways to help people to change their lives, different, different programs, whatever it can be. Are you going to use this location? Do you have any ideas to add other programs or add other services that you haven't been able to elsewhere that you want to pilot or add on there? Or is it, is it more or less going to be a replica of Camilla's just, just newer and more refined? Yeah, it's really, like you said, it's going to be pretty similar to Camilla's as far as what programs we're running. Realistically, just now we know that our pillar program is what gives the best results. Um, whereas back in 2019, we thought group exercise, you know, might provide someone the best results, but, you know, with all of our clients, their transformation pictures, their feedback to us, like, that has been the main one that we just need to focus on a little bit more and make sure that that programming is bulletproof for, you know, the 
16 year old athlete that's in that class with, you know, the 65 year old, year old woman that's also pushing a barbell up and over her head. So it's got to be able to hit all demographics in that sense. Fantastic. All right. Last question on this multiple location thing is, uh, is three going to be the end of it? Or do you think that, uh, you'll just take over all of upstate New York one day, <laughs> you know, if, if you had to, I mean, the sky's the limit with yeah. things like this. So do you have any idea what you want it to turn into, whether AHT becomes, you know, a bigger name, bigger brand, or, or do you think it's, you know, maybe only a couple of, of locations? Yeah. Kevin and I have been discussing and teetering between like franchise chains, you know, that whole route, which way we take with that. Um, I don't think that three is the end. Um, I, would like to go somewhere warm. <laughs> I've lived in upstate New York my whole life. So uh, would love to go somewhere with the sun shining a little bit more than just three months out of the year. Um, but that is our hope is to be able to go down south, out west, um, and probably not have, you know, hundreds of locations, but a handful of really solid, because we definitely don't want to lose that quality as we go through this. Absolutely. All right. So we've, we've got a really good handle on the business, but you as owner, entrepreneur, leader, partner, um, all the other roles that you have, where do you feel like your biggest opportunities are for growth, skill acquisition, things that you want to be able to own in your positions that are going to lead you towards you know, having success in multiple locations, uh, has, having success as, as an owner, um, more so than an, in, the, in the business operator, where do you feel like your biggest areas of opportunity are and, and how do you have them prioritized? Um, that's a good question. So one thing that I, you know, Kevin and I both really want to continue working on and not lose sight of is our leadership and just really being as proficient as we can with that. Um, because, you know, we've worked under gym owners before we've seen how they act. They, we've been treated, how they treat us and whichever we want to make sure that our coaches know that we got them no matter what. And then in regards to just like our clients and members is just trying to be the best people we can be support the community as much as we can, you know, not lose sight of other locations and just growing those, remembering where we started, you know, remembering those people that started with us in the beginning. And we don't want anyone to feel like they're not important or we're on to the next one. Got it. So keeping that high level service, high level attention and, and figuring out how you need to grow as a leader to then train the people who are going to be overseeing these locations so that they're you're physically not there potentially, but they, it shouldn't feel any different other than the fact they're not seeing your face. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. All right. So we are coming to a close on our time here. So the, the big question I like to ask everybody um, is, you know, you've had, had a couple of years in the business. Um, you learn lessons, you make mistakes. Sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes it's trial by fire. But mm -hmm. if there was one thing you could go back and tell yourself, you know, three years ago, four years ago, when you're in the planning stages or just starting, is there anything that you 
you know, any one thing where you're like, oh man, if I knew this, then I would be so much better. Oh boy. There's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's always a lot and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be the, uh, the grand slam answer, but if there's anything that pops in your head, just always like, what would you have liked to known sooner or, or own sooner as a skill? Probably, uh, probably just better communication in, in regards to, you know, dealing from, from the business aspect with things like, you know, how to formulate emails better, how to, you know, set up your contracts better, how to make sure that everyone's on the same page and just, you know, have that solid communication throughout. Um, hasn't been an issue per se, but I can definitely remember times where it's just like ripping your hair out, trying to be patient with things and making sure they all come to fruition. Sometimes not the way you foresee them going, but they, it all comes out in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I always go back to one of my favorite quotes is from, uh, you know, the writer, George Bernard Shaw. He says, um, and I'll probably screw this up, but the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it's taken place. Mm-hmm. Like how many times you, you think you said something one way, or you think you said it at all. And somebody yeah. thought they understood. And it's just, it's the business can be the worst game of telephone ever. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Getting, we can always be better communicators and awareness of it is certainly the biggest part and mm-hmm. being able to step back and say, all right, maybe I thought that I said that or I was clear, but it, mm-hmm. you know, it it it's the onus is on on us to expect that somebody is not going to say that they they just they understand things the way they understand it. So mm-hmm. if we don't get it across, it's it's usually on us, and that's a big thing to take ownership of. So kudos mm-hmm. for that. All right, we are officially out of time. Before I let you go, though, I need to know where can our listeners find you, uh, whether you know they just want to check out what you're doing from a business point of view, if anybody's listening and in the upstate New York area and wants to check you out as a potential coach, client, fan, mm-hmm. whatever it is, where do we find you? Well, you can find the gym on Instagram at htgym underscore Camillus or htgym underscore Marcellus. Or if you want to check out what I'm doing, Instagram, same thing. And that's going to be uh, B-Rab Fitness, B-R-A-B-F-I-T-N-E-S-S. Awesome. All right. Well, I appreciate you being here. I look forward to checking in on you in, in the future. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yes. Thank you so much for having me down. I really I've had a lot of fun with this one. You're you're very welcome. And to everyone out there listening, uh, we thank you for being here with us. Appreciate you spending part of your day with us. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. And if you'd like to hear more, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple. Cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. 
That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today, and I am here with Scott from Extreme Performance Training Systems in Atlanta, Georgia. What's up, Scott? How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to do this with you. Yeah, of course. We're excited to have you here. All righty. So let's jump right in. What is it that made you want to own your own facility? Uh, pretty much, I didn't. I, I didn't see ever that I wanted to work for somebody else. You know, I, I started out in the fitness industry, started out personal training, working at a YMCA. Eventually I moved to the Atlanta area, started working for a country club in their fitness facility, ended up becoming the director of that facility. And it was great, but my goal was always to be in business for myself. And the nice thing about that was, is it did afford me the opportunity to start my business on the side. And then once I got it to a point where, you know, I felt like I could go in 100%, I was able to do that. So it's pretty lucky in that regard, but I, I mainly wanted to be in the, uh, uh, be in the uh, kind of arena where I could call my own shots. I could work mm -hmm. with the type of uh, demographic that I wanted to work with and things like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I can completely relate to that wanting to work for yourself, kind of structure your own schedule, um, put the, the different systems into place that you want to put into place and not have to follow somebody else's sure. model. So it gives you the opportunity to, uh, it, it gives you the opportunity to evolve as well, you know, cause mm -hmm. I, I've been doing this 23 years now, so I, I'm definitely not the same person I was, you know, professionally or personally, you know, 23 years ago when I started. So it, it's nice. It gives you that opportunity to kind of evolve and do what you really believe in and what, what kind of, kind of rings true with you, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The freedom to, uh, you know, change things if you want to. You don't have to follow in somebody else's footsteps. So uh, as far as your business model goes, what does that look like? Are you doing group classes, semi-privates, one-on-one? What does that look like at your facility? Sure. I, uh, you know, when I, when I started personal training back in, uh, 1857, you know, pretty much the only thing, <laughs> the only thing going on then, you know, it, it, it really was the one-on-one -on -one training model, you know, at, at that point in time, you know, boot camps and, and some group fitness was, was gaining a little bit of momentum and stuff, but it really was built around that one-on-one -on -one model. So that's kind of how I started. And I built, uh, quite a clientele, you know, I'm, I'm at about hundred percent capacity, you know, like you and I were talking, you know, before the show, um, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I'm at that point where I really have to look at, do I want to add another hour to the day? Do I want to add another hour to the day? So that that's kind of, uh, the downside of that type of model, but that's pretty much, uh, what I've been doing now over the years, I have dabbled in things like, you know, uh, uh buddy training, semi-private training, uh, I have had a few small group classes and things like that. Now, one, one of the things that always uh, dictates what you can and can't do is the size of your facility. I've always been, right. I, I've always, um, I've always liked the idea of smaller facilities, uh, low overhead. And I, I've also, you know, I, I never wanted to get into a big gym environment. You know, I, I never wanted to be the guy that owned the big gold style gym or something like that. Cause I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not an administrative person. I'm not a manager. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't really like uh, managing people. I love doing the work myself. So in order to really have your own business, you can't go really big because the bigger you go, 
the more administrative stuff you have to buy, the, the more you, you, you shift to the role of the manager instead of the person actually right. working with people, you know, and I love helping people change regardless, you know, whether I'm working with athletes, general fitness client, it, it really doesn't matter. I just love working with people one-on-one. Uh, like I said, the downside of that is it does eventually cap you when, when you, mm-hmm. uh, when you grow into that model. So I am looking at uh, a shift in, in my business model as it is, but I'd say probably about uh, 90 to 95% of my business is one-on-one. I do some, some buddy and some of my private sessions, a little bit of small group. And then I also have uh, over the last few years, I don't really push this right now because I am limited with a lot of time, but I have started doing a little bit of online consulting and online coaching uh, just mm-hmm. because I've, I've written some books. I've worked with some famous people and things like that. So my name's gotten out there a little bit um, in certain circles. So I would get contacted by people who are outside of the Atlanta area. How can I work with you? And I thought, well, you know, let's start this little online thing. So I don't really push that too hard, but when I do have some interest there, I do get some interest from, you know, outside of my, my geographic location, then I will offer that up as a service. So. Yeah, definitely. So lots of good stuff there. So I think that a lot of times, the the first thing that you kind of mentioned as far as your time being in the facility actually on the floor training people every day that's something that i think a lot of business owners gym owners in particular really struggle with because it does consume so much of your time and then yes. it almost takes away the time that you have to focus on the actual business yes. and obviously there is on the day to day some administ- administrative tasks that you have to complete. However, when you are on the floor all day, every day, you know, it takes your time and attention away from that. And then sometimes that kind of just gets pushed to the side. So there's definitely a, uh, a balance there. And, and now with your, with your model being mostly one-on-one, I can certainly see how that's kind of taking over, taking up most of your time and a shift to some of those semi-private sessions would be super helpful for you to be able to free up some of your time, you know, combine some of those sessions together. They still get that attention as far as, you know, almost like a one-on-one, but just a smaller group. Um, So they're still getting the same service, but it just allows you to free up some of your time and then also serve more people. So yeah, it leverages your time, serves more people, and it also increases your earning potential. You know, you can, you can dramatically improve your hourly, you know, ROI just by adding, you know, two, three people to the same hour. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like they're still getting the same service, the same attention, but it allows you to do so much more. So definitely a a great idea there. And then as far as, so you said you've written a couple of books. Yes. Expand on that a little bit for me. That's pretty cool. Sure. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, years ago I had, uh, I always had this thing, like, like I would get questions a lot of times. I'd meet, I'd go to conventions. I'd talk with other trainers, things like that. We'd start staying in touch as things became more online, social media, you know, you start getting questions and things like that. So I started doing, you know, what a lot of people did. I started writing blogs. I started writing articles. Um, I was uh, I was asked to do a strength and conditioning column for at the time it was the largest uh, mixed martial arts magazine in the world. It was called Fight Magazine. They were in 45 uh, countries. I was working with a lot of MMA fighters and jujitsu athletes back then, so it was a good fit. And I became friends with the uh, editor in chief and the gra- one of the graphic designers from the the publication. They started training with me, so it was a real cool gig. You know, it, it really helped to get my my name out there a little bit. And I found that I really, you know, I'm not 
I think I took a creative writing class and a typing class when I was in high school. Uh, but so I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a writer, you know, quote unquote. Right. But I do enjoy sitting down in front of the computer, putting ideas on paper. Um, I really enjoy doing that. And that's a great way to share ideas. It's a great way to share information. It's a great way to share experience. And I always felt like a bit of a hack, you know, I mean, I, 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 it was probably I was 10 years or so into working by the time I actually started writing and stuff. And I, I, I felt like there's no I'm, I'm still new to this. I'm not a, I'm not an expert. I'm not, you know, but what I found was that the experiences that I had in the industry, you know, there, there were there was two things. I could write to the people who wanted the, the fitness and training information, you know, the general public. But then I found that the experiences I had as a trainer in the fitness industry was beneficial because a lot of my colleagues and people that I would meet at these different, you know, I started speaking for the NSCA and doing events and stuff like that. So I would get a lot of people that would follow up with me and say, hey, how are you doing this? Or, or have you tried this system? Or how has this worked for you? And things like that. So I, I really like the idea of writing, you know, blogs and articles and, and, and such. And I, I ended up doing a couple of uh, self-published books, I think like uh, five or six. I mean, they're, they're kind of dated now. Um, they, they were around uh, uh, different types of training modalities. One was for like uh, military law enforcement, you know, and first responder types. One was a kettlebell training book. One was preparing for the uh, football combine, you know, things like that. One was a little bit more directed towards general health and fitness. And then uh, a few years back, I think it was uh, 2013 or 14, now somewhere around there, I... Uh, I was doing a book project uh, to benefit animal welfare. I'm I'm a, I, I'm, I'm plant based. I've been vegan for a long time now, and I'm a big mm-hmm. supporter of animal welfare. So I I met this uh, famous hip hop artist through a mutual friend, and he had a goal of wanting to build 20 pounds of muscle on a plant based diet, and he wanted to do it without the use of supplements. Um, but not, not that he's, you know, he, he just, he's like, I want to do this with food. Um, I'm a right. long distance runner, you know, so that's going to make it hard to gain mass. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm, you know, and, and he, he's a naturally, you know, ectomorphic skinny kind of guy, you know, but he just mm. wanted to bulk up a little bit and he wanted to put 20 pounds on his goal is four months. Long story short, we ended up do, accomplishing his goal in like two and a half months. And he ended up, uh, gaining the 20 pounds, but we also reduced his body fat. So now he was, you know, he gained, I think he retained like 14 pounds after his cut. So he was actually, he lost about two and a half percent body fat and he was, he was more ripped and had more muscle to show. So he, he was really excited. And through the whole process, we just became really good friends and, and we shared so much, uh, kind of on an interpersonal level as we were training, you know, you, you spend a lot mm-hmm. of time with people, you get to know each other and stuff. And at one point in time during the training, he said, you know, I think we got something more than a little weightlifting project here because I think we got a book here. So we ended up co-authoring a book with his wife who was, she acted as his nutritionist. I was his strength coach. And then um, the, the other book is one third, his narrative, his personal narrative. And we ended up writing mm-hmm. this book called Eat Plants, Lift Iron. Uh, and it was really cool. It ended up leading to a few other cool projects. He ended up being in this documentary that he brought me in for a, a small portion on. And it was, it was just a really cool project. And to this day, we're still wow. really good friends. We keep in touch, you know, and uh, it, it, it was awesome. So so he actually handles that book, but that's probably our most, uh, my, my most recent and most popular uh, publication that I've done, so. Wow, that's so cool. So you're kind of, connected in many other ways other outside of your gym as well absolutely Absolutely. that's really cool that's awesome that you were able to make those connections and kind of do some other things on the side as well so does that provide you with I mean obviously it's it's some type of another stream of revenue yeah absolutely Um, absolutely 
Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the nice thing about the books is, you know, the, the you know, th th that's a cool thing about it. And, and like I said, my books are dated. I'm not selling a lot of them right now, but you know, for about the first couple of years when I would publish a book, I'd have pretty good sales. You know, it, it was nothing, mm -hmm. it's nothing stable. You know, I mean, I, I, I self-publish, I, I found this uh, application online that you just sign up for. It's totally free to use. And then they, it, the cool thing is, is they print uh, your books to order. So you don't even have to carry stock. And that's what I really liked with how streamlined. So all I had to do was do the work, get, you know, design the book cover, do all the layout and stuff get it loaded and then just put the, put the link on my website, share it on my social media. And, and anytime I'd go do an event, like I'd go speak somewhere, I, of course I would buy some books and take them with me to sell on site. But the cool right. thing about that is, is that once that's done, th that's money you're making without even working anymore. You know, exactly. every month I get that, I get that, you know, uh, direct deposit, you know, from the publisher. And it, that, that, that's what was really cool. Now this other book that I did with the, the hip hop artist, he does handle the sales that I think he buys and he ships. He does have a uh, kind of a merchandise, you know, cause he does apparel, he does his, his CDs and albums, you know, things like that. So he takes mm -hmm. care of that. And then he just sends me, uh, you know, like monthly or whatever, just, you know, through PayPal, like my, my cut of the, the book sales, right. but yeah, it's, it's revenue that, you know, it's just, it's gravy on top of what you're doing in the gym. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. You put in the work ahead of time and yeah. then it kind of just benefits you, you know, in the future. So that's awesome. Um, so is that something that you're still doing? Are you thinking about writing more books in the future or yes. yeah? Yeah, I, I do have a couple uh, book projects. Um, one of my problems is, is I'm, I, I tend to be, I hate to use the term, I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist. So when I'm, when I'm writing, uh, I, I don't, I don't have the time to just sit down and write for like four hours a day. So I do it in mm -hmm. chunks, you know, and I, I do make sure I have uh, one and a half days off during the week. And that's where I handle, you know, personal stuff. And, you know, my wife and I can do our grocery shopping or, you know, things like that. She's, right. she's a workaholic as well. So it works out really well. <laughs> um, but I, I, I tend to, my biggest problem is I tend to get really technical when I write because I I'm so used to talking to people in the industry. Like I always joke with my clients that I just live in this little cave. You know, I got this tiny little training center. I never get out of it. I never see the light of day and stuff. So I tend to, um, I, I tend to write like I'm talking to somebody, another strength coach or something like that. And I'm like, no, I got to make this so that, you know, cause the book I'm working on right now to give you an idea is a strength and uh, strength conditioning book for jujitsu. And it's for people who don't have the luxury of having a personal trainer who might not have access to a ton of equipment, you know, especially like with the pandemic, a lot of people were forced into basement gyms, home gyms, small training facilities. Fortunately in Georgia, our restriction was pretty light. We only had to close down for a month and we've been pretty much open uh, since oh, wow. like April of last year. So we, we did pretty well in that regard, but you know, yeah. people still have their own personal concerns and stuff. So what I want right. to do is put together a book that somebody can take or a manual somebody can take you know, down into their basement with nothing but maybe a pull-up bar, a barbell, and some kettlebells, and they can do a great workout that's going to help prepare them for uh, jujitsu. Um, and so that, that's what I'm working on right now. And then I also have a, I want to do more of uh, one of the things that have become very interesting, especially since I'm knocking on the door of 50 years myself, um, I'm a little bit more interested in longevity uh, and health than I was in mm -hmm. actual performance. Now I still train, you know, I do jujitsu. I, I don't power lift anymore or anything like that. But I want to get another 30, 40 years of training, you know, and spare my joints. I want to make sure I'm healthy. I want to make mm -hmm. sure that I can train up until the day I die. And I'm not just running my body through the ringer because of all the athletic things that I like to do. So I definitely right. want to at some point publish something that's a little bit more focused on 
overall health, longevity, and just having a good uh, health span, you know, and not just a lifespan as we age. So those are kind of the two right. things that I'm looking at as far as writing projects go. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I think that um, sometimes that gets lost within the fitness industry, the whole, you know, health and longevity thing. It's Absolutely. always we're focused on, you know, reaching a spe- specific goal, whether it be how much weight you can put up or uh, an aesthetic goal. You just want to look a certain way. Um, and the whole idea of what the health and fitness industry was built on initially kind of gets Lost. We've, gotten, we've gotten away from that and there's nothing, you know, I don't, I, you know, I had a bunch of years where I was a competitive power lifter. I loved it, but it destroys your body. You know, it destroys yeah. your joints. And, mm-hmm. and the thing is, is the more, uh, extreme you get with any athletic endeavor, any sport, the further you go down that rabbit hole, the more you have to be willing to sacrifice a little bit of your health. It doesn't mean you can't do all those things. It just means you might have to have a little bit more work to do on the back end. You might have to be willing to talk to an orthopedic surgeon at some point in time. There's nothing wrong with that as long as people are informed going into it, you know? Right. Um, but I, I had a colleague in the past. He was a, uh, he used to be a joint surgeon and he eventually evolved his practice to work with people on structural enhancement. And he always used to say, fitness is something that we go through on the way to health. And, and I love that because really like if we're not talking about the people that are competing, we're not talking about the people that are pushing the limits with bodybuilding and powerlifting and weightlifting and things like that. We get into this because we do want to improve the quality of our life. We want a longer, you know, lifespan. And, and, and I've always liked the term health span because, you know, especially with modern medicine, we can live quote unquote forever, you know, but mm-hmm. what's the quality of life? You know, I exactly. don't want to be living if I can't enjoy my body and go out and do stuff, you know, and, and, and right. I, I, you know, I'm just not built that way. So I, I think that's really important. And I think when we're talking about working with the general population, that really needs to be the key focus. It doesn't mean, you know, mm-hmm. we, we want to get leaner. We want to look better. We want to be fit, build a little bit of up. That's all great. And that can factor into it, but it also helps to have some sort of a, a realistic outlook on the things that you're doing and what your goals are. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can completely understand that. I mean, I started way back as a competitive gymnast and that kind of built my foundation in the fitness industry. And from there, I got into competitive bodybuilding. And then from there, I got into competitive powerlifting because I'm just competitive. Just my nature is super competitive. I always tell people I'm the type of person that, uh, you know, races people at red lights, you know, it's like, I always have to be the first one. Um, so I think that that kind of started my journey within the fitness industry, but then on the flip side of that, it's like, you learn so much through that process about your body, um, about what you're capable of your limitations And then I think from there, it was like, I got so sick of pushing myself to extremes that now on the flip side of it, it's like, okay, like I've been there, I've done that. I don't want to do that anymore. And now it's like, now I'm focused on the things that really matter, the the health, the longevity, you know, working out to be healthy, not to achieve a certain goal as far as aesthetics go or putting up a certain amount of weight. So, um, yeah, I think that a lot of people get interested in it because of the way that you can look and how strong you can be. Um, but then eventually you learn that what's really important is 
your health overall. Yeah. And, and, and you want to be like you, you've with that much of a competitive background, you want to be active and, and, and able to do stuff for the rest of your life, whether, mm-hmm. you know, it's like hiking or biking or, you know, you, you want to have an active lifestyle and the harder you push in those areas, the more you're, you're taken away from the potential to do that. And, and that's how I look like now that I'm done with powerlifting, I'm done with all that. I'm at a much healthier body weight. Now that I'm getting into jujitsu, you know, a lot of people I train, they compete. And what are you competing? It's like, I don't want to compete. I don't want, you know, I yes. want to enjoy this. This is my, my hobby. I take it seriously. I love it, you know, but I want to do it for, for years and years and years. This is how I want to ride out the rest of my life. You know, I, right. the, the daily training is more important to me than the one rep max, than mm-hmm. the certain percentage of body fat, the whatever, you know? Right. And, and I think when you get too funneled into those areas, it becomes, it can become very unhealthy if you mm-hmm. let it kind of dominate your life and it becomes this job that essentially most of us never got paid to do it, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It can completely consume your life, especially like when I was in competitive bodybuilding, that does completely consume your life because yeah. your day is completely based around that. You know, Wait, it's where, like where are you? You're in the kitchen, life. in the gym, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. You have no social life. Um, and then mentally too, it's, it really takes a toll on you mentally. And as far as like body image goes and, you know, it just really, really throws things off. So, um, people ask me now if I'll ever step on stage again, I'm like, no, I have, you know, I have no, no interest whatsoever in ever doing it again. Have you ever, uh, have you ever done any coaching like with, uh, people that compete in, in physique or, or any of those types of competitions? Or have you just like totally removed yourself from it? Yeah, I, I pretty much totally removed myself yeah. from it. That was kind of what initially had gotten me into personal training and working in a facility and, and whatnot from there. Because when you're doing that, people are like, wow, how are you doing that? What are you doing? And then it kind yeah. of just leads you to, you know, being a personal trainer, essentially. Sure. Um, but I didn't ever personally coach anybody for the stage just because I know how crazy it can be um, as far as dealing with the, the ups, the downs, the mental yeah. state of it. It was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so a general, general population fitness is, is where it's at. So, well, and, and when, when you look at the statistics and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but every year it seems like we're hearing about obesity and, and overweight, you know, rates in the U S going up and up and up. I mean, the, the, that says right there that there's such opportunity for people that want to work with people when it comes to weight loss, when it comes to health, when it comes to, mm-hmm. you know, giving them a better quality of life. I mean, the, 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 the pool that the demographic pool is almost like endless. I mean, cause it's, it's scary mm-hmm. when you start hearing, you know, chronic disease and things like that. I mean, the focus really should be for the, the, the bulk of the public out there on health. And if anything, you know, the pandemics taught us is how big of a factor having really, really good health, a good, strong immune system is important, you know, in situations Mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, most of the United States is overweight. So there's always more people to help and just educate a lot of people. It's amazing when you talk to people, how much they don't know about what they should be eating and how they should be moving and just, you know, about their body in general. It's, it's crazy how much people just don't know. So as far as your, in your facility, now I know that you do a lot of, um, 
a lot of martial arts training, but as yes. far as general population, are you doing any type of training for general fitness as far as, you know, maybe weight loss or just yeah. general, general yeah. training? Well, I'd say that's, that's probably, um, somewhere about 50% or slightly, you know, maybe 60% of my, uh, total clientele, uh, their goals okay. are more, more health, uh, oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, I still have some athletes that I train, uh, mostly at the like Olympic type sports, um, high school to collegiate level. Um, I've got some there and then I do train a lot of martial artists just because, you know, with a jujitsu facility under the same roof, a lot of my training partners in jujitsu, especially if they start to compete and, and most of them are competing, they compete seriously, but it's, it's, again, we all have day jobs. It's at the hobbyist level, you know, nobody's doing right. it professionally, mm -hmm. but they take it very seriously and they want to make sure that they're in the best possible shape. Their conditioning's on, on point for the, you know, competition that their, their joints are healthy, that they're strong, that they, you know, that they can stay within or move up to whatever weight class they're trying to do. So a lot of people I work with, uh, I, I, I help in that regard. I still have some uh, people I, I work with who do some powerlifting and strength sport, strength sport uh, type of things. But I'd say the you know the the majority of the people I work with are probably in that. And their main focus is is overall health and quality of life. And that doesn't mean you know we don't train hard, but I mean the, the main right. focus is the main focus is is health. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as your goals or anything specific that you're working on within the business over the, let's say next six months to a year or so, what are you really focusing on within the gym? Sure. That, that's a great question. And like we talked a little bit, you know, before we started, um, I did tell, you know, uh, I've got about three months left on the current lease of the facility we're in. And, and I don't know what it's like in your, your area. I think you said you're in Massachusetts. Um, so the pandemic is really like, especially with commercial real estate down here, it's really, uh, it's really kind of surprising that the state that we're in. So I'm in a suburb of Atlanta. I'm up on the north side. Uh, I'm in a small area called Norcross. Um, and it's probably about 25 miles from like, you know, downtown city center. Um, the type of business, you know, that I'm in the facilities that we always look for more of like your flex and industrial space, because you can mm -hmm. typically get that at a better uh, square footage price than say like your typical retail. And, you know, my business isn't a business that I, I rely on people walking by seeing a sign going, Oh, I want to go in there and train, you know, my right. average client, I, I think my average uh, uh, client retention length right now is somewhere in the ballpark of like seven to eight years. So the majority yeah. of my people, yeah, I I've got great longevity with my clients. Um, and the majority of the people, like I, you know, people, what do you do for marketing? I'm like, I don't market anymore because my clients market for me. You know, they tell <laughs> their neighbor, they tell, you know, somebody from work or something like that, you know, and I'm really lucky in that regard, but I think it's, it's because I focused, you know, when, when I was just starting, I didn't know how to market anything. I'm, I'm a gym rat. I'm not a salesman, you know, mm -hmm. and I did listen to some of the fitness, you know, sales gurus back then and some of the, and I did get some really good nuggets. Like found out I was doing my website all wrong. You know, the typical, you know, you go to my website, the first page was, Hey, I'm Scott. Here's everything about me. And here's my really cool overly flexed crossed arm photo, you know, and all that stuff that everybody does. And it's yeah. like, nobody cares about you, dude. You know, they care about what you can do for them. Highlight mm -hmm. what you've accomplished with your clients, highlight their results. Because when somebody is seeking out a personal trainer, the best piece of advice I ever got was they've already made the decision to buy. You just have to convince them why they want to buy your service. Mm -hmm. And 
I, the minute I stopped the focus being on me and what I could provide, I started converting people. I started, I mean, it was crazy. It, and, and like I said, I'm not a natural salesman. I was the guy that the first time I started has at asking somebody to pay for my service, you know, I'm looking down like, well, my, my rates are, uh, well, uh, they're, they're $75 like an sweating. hour, but yeah, but you know what, uh, if you sign up today, I'll, you know, I'll take 20 bucks off that, you know, I mean, it was horrible. I probably made them yeah. more nervous. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm going to go elsewhere, you know, and, right. uh, but, but it, it really helped uh, to kind of uh, have that kind of change in focus that, you know, w- when they came and talked to me, the deal was already made. I just had to not talk them out of it, you know, right. and when you really sit down and you listen to them, you ask them questions, you find out why they want a trainer. You know, a lot of people refer to it as the pain point. You know, why, what, what, what are they unhappy about? What are they trying to change? Everything started changing for me, you know? So my focus really, you know, became on uh, the quality of service that I could provide. And then once you start getting people results, you really have to do no work. I mean, it spreads like fire. People are recommending you left and right. And, you know, it, it's, it's been really, really cool uh, in that regard, as far as like how I've built my clientele. So I don't need, you know, a road front facility where people see a sign for training and come walking in, you know, I, I just don't need that. So we're always looking at like your commercial type uh, spaces or, or, or excuse me, your industrial and flex type spaces. Now, because of the pandemic, what we've seen is, is in my area, there've been a lot of businesses that have moved out of downtown because mm-hmm. they've restructured how they do business. They don't need the big high rise offices and stuff. What they need are these smaller warehouse office type spaces and they are chewing up the space left and right. In my area, I think my buddy who's in commercial real estate told me we're at about 90 to 95% occupancy. He said, I've never seen such low vacancy rates in your area. It's kind of wow. scary because there's not a lot of space out there and a lot of landlords do not want to lease to fitness. And I, for the life of me, I cannot figure it out. The minute they find out I'm a personal trainer and, and it's got nothing to do. I like, I've got a pristine leasing track record from May of 2008. Like I've never been late, let alone miss a month of, of rent. You know, I've got fantastic references from landlords. You know, I run a really good, you know, button down business and these people, they just, the minute they find out you're in fitness. And I had one guy tell us that, Hey, things are really good right now. We get to pick and choose who we lease to. I don't want to lease to a fitness person. I was like, okay, well, thanks for the yeah. honesty. So we're, we're struggling right now as far as finding a space. Now we are in kind of a unique, uh, the, 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 the developer, the, the kind of the place that I'm in right now, the it's, it's a, it's like a flex space or a flex center. Uh, it was recently purchased and the new management should be taking over. Hopefully they said they, they told us by the end of October, there are some vacancy on site. We had some issues with our previous landlord. Like we didn't intend to stay. It's just, I mean, it's, too much to talk about on the podcast, but with the new management coming in and after I did my due diligence phone call with them, they're definitely open to keeping us on site. They want to keep us on site. They actually have space in the, they're in Chicago, Phoenix, Dallas, and Atlanta. And in their Phoenix market, they actually have a lot of tenants who are fitness and uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So like, we're familiar mm-hmm. with their business model. We'd love to keep in. They seem like really cool people, but I haven't been able to have that conversation. And I've got a lease coming up at the end of January. So I'm like, I'm a little stressed out. Um, yeah. So hopefully we hear from them soon because my neighbors moved out and there, there's some opportunity with maybe expanding where we're at, but we're still looking right now. 
And the goal is, is to move into a facility that's about twice our size. So right now we're in about 1,625 square feet. We're very small. Mm -hmm. We got roughly 800 square feet of jujitsu mat. We got 800 square feet of, of fitness, you know, strength training equipment. And we basically want to double in size. You know, we want to have about 1,500 square foot each of, of strength conditioning area and jujitsu mats, plus some expanded bathrooms. You know, we want to have some showers, you know, we, we just want to have a little bit more on the amenity side for our, our clientele. Um, mm -hmm. Again, that's still pretty small, you know, 1500 square feet is not huge, but I don't want to be an open gym. You know, I do want to get to the point where I'm able to get more into semi-private training. And then I also want to have for like maybe our jujitsu members and things like that, some uh, offerings where for uh, a monthly fee, they can have like a gym access fee. And then I do their programming uh, like I do for my online clients. So they can, you know, pull up their phone or their tablet or whatever. They got their program in hand. They come into the gym and do it, but they don't need me there coaching. So I've got these, these great ideas where I can leverage my time without really having to, to get into massive like group trainings. Cause I just, I, I don't want to do that. I like being small. Yeah. I like being intimate. I like being more one-on-one -on -one and really able to help people. So I've got a few different avenues that I'm looking at as far as leveraging my time to, to increase my income. So uh, just right. to sum it up, I want to get more into the semi-private training instead of the one-on-one, -on -one, which it really yeah. is still one-on-one. -on -one. It's just in, you know, they're still right. getting their own programming, but like you said, it's just working with a few more people instead of just you exactly. know one person. Um, I do uh, have a few uh, classes that I want to do for like um, conditioning for jujitsu. I've got some some seminar ideas. I've got some you. I, I was talking to a training partner of mine who does great videography. We want to start doing some uh, content related things. You know, uh, some like strength training for jujitsu type things. We want to do some learn by doing seminars where people come into the gym. We teach them stuff hands on. We mm -hmm. want to do some things where I can get out into other facilities and show maybe like a jujitsu academy, how they could add a little strength training area if they don't have a lot of space. You know, what could you do with a big right. pile of kettlebells and a pull-up bar? You know, how mm -hmm. can you do some high quality training for your members? Um, so we've got a few things in that regard where it comes to working with people in person. And then, you know, I always have my online coaching program and I've got my writing projects. So I, I've always got multiple right. avenues of income. And the nice mm -hmm. thing is, is like when the pandemic happened and I was forced to close down for a month, I did have a few clients who wanted me at home, but that allowed me to start pushing out some content. I got to do some writing stuff. I got to do some, you know, video things. I got to do some, some social media stuff that I don't always have the time to do. So I've right. always got things going on that depending on if, if my clients, you know, if I lose a few clients or I got some free time, I got some other stuff I can work on. And I think that's exactly. really important because there's a lot of things you could do as a fitness business owner. That's just not working with people in person, which I think is very mm -hmm. important. But, you know, I, I've got my own problems with things like this big push that we've seen with online and we've seen with these, these Instagram experts and stuff like that. It's like yes. nothing really bugs me more than seeing these like young, like 18, 19 year olds coming onto Instagram and suddenly they're a fitness expert and, and DM me for my coaching manual and this, that, and the other. It's yeah. like, <laughs> you haven't been working for like 10 minutes and you're an expert in this, you know, and it drives me nuts. And then you look at their, you look at their social media page and it's all about them nothing about mm -hmm. the clients. It's all selfies. It's, it's such, and I think yep. it's really created a bad mark on the fitness industry for yes. the people who really are offering high quality service and things like that, you know? So, uh, yep. it, it, that's a whole rant, little rabbit yeah, hole. I, no, I don't I... want to fall down, but, but, that, and those are the things I think we're dealing with as, but, but it's like, you know, it, it's really about the virtual stuff's great, but you really build your skills. You really build your interpersonal, you know, communication skills. You really learn about personality types by getting in the gym and working with people. And that's Absolutely. why when people talk to me like, hey, you write books. How do I write a book? I'm like, 
work for 10 years. You'll have all the content you need. Experience. You know, it's like, how do I come out with yeah. content? Work, work with yeah. people. You'll see right. the pitfalls. You'll see the hurdles they have to overcome. You'll see their successes and their failures. You work mm -hmm. with, you work full time for 10 years. You will have all the content you need to write books and blogs and stuff like that. Then you're not making up a bunch of crap. You know, then you're not looking right. for what's trending. You're doing it honestly. And you're providing really good content because it comes from actual real life experience. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you have the right idea as far as diversifying yourself, you know, so you're not, you're not relying on one specific thing all of the time. Like you said, if you get some free time, you can focus a little bit on something else. So you have multiple, multiple things going on, multiple services that you offer and multiple streams of revenue which at the end of the day is super important to have, you know, just in case, because like over the last year and a half or so, we've realized how important that really is yeah, within absolutely. the business. Um, so one question that I always really love to ask at the end of the podcast is if you could snap your fingers right now and change one thing or improve rather one thing within your business right now, what would that be and why? Well, I'd, I'd love to have a nice big space available that's willing to take fitness people True. in the Atlanta area, you know, um, uh, that, that's a great question um, because it really makes you kind of look at what you're doing analytically. Like I, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I provide a great service. I, I do really, really well with the people I work, work with. Um, I don't know if there's anything that I would change. I, I think if I could go back though, like if I could, if I could snap my fingers and change something, I would have started doing a semi-private model um, earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Because the one thing that I'm looking at is uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a few different ways of how I approach my clientele about not pushing them, but, but kind of enticing them to do that. Like I've got yes. some clients who become friends, you know, because their sessions kind of butt up and, and it's kind of cool because when one of them has like maybe a, a, a business meeting or something like that, and uh, Hey, Hey, is it cool if, uh, you know, do you think Sam would be all right if I came into her session or vice versa or something like that? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. You know? And, and then they find out, you know, there's things that, that in their personal lives they can help each other out with and stuff like that. I love that relationship building and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I, I think if, if there's one thing I could change, I would have adopted a semi-private model earlier. Uh, just because I really feel like that's going to be one of the best ways for me to really leverage my time. And I, I just, I would have done it earlier. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. see the writing on the wall when people started talking about it because I did such, I, or I do such a good job with the one-on-one -on -one training. Um, right. I, I just thought like, yeah, it's, it's not affecting me at this point in time. Why do I need to worry about it? I've still got hours in the day I could train people. And I didn't, I didn't look far enough ahead down the road right. and now I'm kicking myself for it. So that's definitely, you know, if I could snap my fingers, I would have adopted a, uh, a semi-private mm -hmm. model earlier. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it wasn't a problem then, but now you've gotten so many people within the personal training that, you know, you only have so many hours in a day, so you can only accommodate yep. so many sessions per day. So it kind of caps you out as far as one, how many people you can help and two, how much revenue you have coming in. Well, so, you know, let, let me ask you, I mean, because you're, you're more into, you know, talking with, with people like me and, you know, people like us in the industry and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Don't, don't you, I mean, would, would you say, you know, yes or no, that 
one of our collective biggest problems is we're not business people. We're people that have a passion for fitness. We're ha- we, we have a passion for working with people. We have to figure out the business stuff on our own. Yeah, there's courses out there. There's, you know, but, but not everybody went to business school. Not everybody went and, and things change, you know, business where well, the longer you do this, you know, so mm-hmm. those are the hard lessons that you have to learn along the way, you know, and that that's one of the hardest things. And probably one of the things that I at least see people fail, you know, they love working with people. They love the fitness industry, but they get hammered when it comes to the business thing. They think owning a facility is great till they find out, Hey, the air conditioning unit's bad. You got to pay for that. You got a plumbing issue. You got, you know, the the lights won't come on. You get, you know, you got all this stuff when you have a brick and mortar facility that you don't Mm -hmm. think about when you're not the person that's dealing with that stuff on a daily basis, you know? Exactly. A hundred percent. I think that a lot of people get into personal training and then it's like, okay, well I could do this. And then, you know, a lot of times their clients kind of like hype them up, like, oh, you should just open your own facility. And then they're like, okay, you know, and then they get this, a lot of times they get this large space with this huge lease agreement and then they can't afford to pay their rent every month because they don't have enough clientele to support it and then you know it's just like a a spiral and I think that um people just kind of get the wrong idea you know they think that it's going to be easy I'm just going to train on my clients all day it's going to be a walk in the park but it's just it's just not the way that it goes and a lot of times you learn when it's too late you know you're already in deep and then you've got to figure it out from there kind of dig yourself out so you know they say education costs money it's yeah it's true (laughs) well i've seen so many people that that they think like you know i'm just going to open this facility they go out and they take out this big loan they buy all this great equipment and yeah they have this awesome facility i think just because i got an awesome facility people are going to come walking in they're not you've got to market your service you know and that's really hard to do And, and and so many times people ask me when they're just starting out you know i want to start my own facility what should i do I always say start as small as humanly possible, you know, start with something that on your worst day, you have no problem covering the overhead. That's why I started in my basement, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I started with just a power rack and a barbell and some kettlebells yeah. and probably one of the best things. And I was guilty of this too. Like I wanted to, I want to take out a loan and buy all this awesome powerlifting equipment from like Westside barbell and elite fitness and right. all this awesome <laughs> hardcore gym I want to do. And my wife said, cool. You know, we can afford X number of dollars every quarter. Um, we'll set that aside. You know, if you can buy your equipment with that, great. If not, we'll roll that over to the next quarter. And then, you know, and so the cool right. thing about that was, was because of her sensibility, which I, I, I lacked when I was just starting out was <laughs> everything I have, I own. If I was forced to close down my business tomorrow, I don't have a note hanging over my head. I could liquidate, I could sell everything, you know, not, not that that's a goal, but it does give you that kind of reassurance that if things start, you know, if clients aren't showing up or it's like, I'm like, Oh crap, you know, things aren't going good. You know, that's always in the back of your mind, you know, when, Mm -hmm. you, you know, this type of business is always up and down, you know, knowing that nobody owns me is really cool. Yeah. It's provides you with some peace of mind. You know, if, if nothing else, it's peace of mind knowing that, you know, if shit does hit the fan for lack of a better term, that you'll be fine, you know? So that's, that's a good spot to be in for sure. So, all right. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Sure. I'm, I've got, you know, the 
Twitter and the LinkedIn and the Facebook and all that stuff. But honestly, I'm most active on Instagram. Um, it's just, I, I like the simplicity of it. So most of the content I share there and I have two pages, I've got my personal page, which is at S Shetler fitness. Um, and then I've got my gym page, which is at EPTS gym. Uh, so I'm pretty active on both of those. I do some cross posting and things like that on them. Uh, but just my personal page might be a little bit more like my dogs and vegan food, whereas the gym page is a strictly <laughs> the, the fitness type posts and stuff like that. But I, I, I do stay fairly active on both of those. So when it comes to uh, social media, that's the best place to follow me. And then I also have a website, which is just www.eptsgym.com. And that is all the information as far as my, my training services, my online coaching services, the things that I offer out of my training center. And then I do have links to the books and things that I've published and such on there. Um, I don't really update my website as much. You know, I tend to be a little bit more active on the Instagram pages and stuff, but those are the best ways to kind of keep in touch with me and, and, and the things that I'm doing and the projects that I've got going on. So. Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely would like to check out some of your books. That's really, really cool that you're, uh, into into that as well so if you're listening make sure you go check out extreme performance training systems and if you're in the atlanta area go ahead and check it out in person all right thank you so much for joining us today scott it's been awesome having you on the show thank you i really appreciate the opportunity and it was great great talking to you I had a good time awesome all right and to all the listeners out there make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show and in the meantime make sure you keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side jim lords out thank you so much for listening if you found this content valuable here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free one grab a free copy of alex ramosi's best-selling book gym launch secrets at alexsbook.com Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.